Hey, Outcomes Rocket Nation, Saul Marquez here. I want to talk to you about growing your practice. Fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that helps practitioners dispense professional-grade supplements, improve patient adherence, and grow their practice from anywhere. When you write prescriptions, they're sent to your patients via text or email, and when they place an order, their supplements get shipped right to their door, eliminating your inventory costs. It's loaded with features like EHR integration to save time, patient wellness content to stay top of mind, and adjustable profit margins to control revenue. It integrates with your way of working and with your patients' day-to-day lives. Best part of it all, it's free. So try Fullscript today. If you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, visit fullscript.com rocket for an extensive guide on supplements and drug nutrient depletion and interactions. Visit fullscript.com rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Mika Eddy. She is the Director of Clinical Product Innovation at United Health Group. Previously, she has served as a healthcare leader at various different businesses. Previously, she was the Interim Chief Executive Officer at DesiBio and also Head of Product Strategy, previous Fulbright Research Fellow United States Department of State, and also Director of Business Development and Partnerships at Nefocity. Her experience spans the healthcare sphere across different categories, but also internationally. And today, we're going to be diving into areas of of expertise on digital health and patient engagement. So Mika, it's a privilege to have you join us today. Thank you. Thanks, all. It's great to be here. So absolutely. And Mika, you know, before we dive into some of the innovative things you and your team are doing to better leverage technology to engage patients, I'm curious what inspires your work in healthcare? Yeah, so happy to be here. And thanks for the opportunity. I think two things have always sort of driven me personally in healthcare. One, I've always just been fascinated by science. I mentioned to you, I grew up in in uh, Japan and then went to the Bay Area for college. There I majored in human biology and was particularly interested in understanding the epigenetics of disease and the interaction between biology and the environment and especially being in Silicon Valley and against the backdrop of um, kind of the tech explosion or continuation of that explosion. The environment was really enabled and enhanced by, by tech. And so I think having the opportunity to create impact at scale within healthcare and to leverage that low-cost technology to provide solutions to those that may slip through the cracks in our existing or traditional health system, for those who may not have a voice at the table on how healthcare gets accessed and delivered. I think you know those those things always drove me to do what I'm doing today, as well as some of the you know career decisions that made previously and along the way. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, just uh, everything that was going on in in that area, you know, you were studying human biology, it it just kind of worked out so well. And now, you know, you're you're so deep into some of the healthcare insights, you know, the work that you did at DesiBio and now uh United Health Group. Talk to us a little bit about how you and your team are working to to add value to that group of people that really don't have as good of a place at the table as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. So from a population health perspective, so I'm part of the United Clinical Services Population Health Innovation Team. So from that perspective and in my role, we're really focused on driving preventative care to help lower cost and improve quality of the care delivered in our system and across our system. So for, for patients that, you know, a lot of our initiatives are focused on guiding patients towards highest quality, lower cost care in a more intuitive way. So one example of that is patient provider match. So thinking about how do we leverage various data points and all of the proprietary data sets that we have the privilege of having access to in order to route and guide a patient to the best quality provider, for example, or making it easier to do kind of frequent, more painful actions in our health system, whether it's you know, checking on an order prescription or estimating the cost of care ahead of a visit, things that end up taking a lot of time that really shouldn't take a lot of time, even finding a doctor. You know, I have a lot of friends who have no idea how to find a provider and they're, you know, they're my age or even even younger and more tech savvy. And they're like, do I Google it? Do I have to call the number on the back of my card? Why does it take half an hour to find a doctor mm-hmm. in network who accepts your plan? So for these simple tasks that that do end up being, unfortunately, quite painful, how do we make it easier for patients? And then on the cost front, finally, again, you know, how do we help improve transparency so patients know about the cost of care ahead of a visit? You know, when do we suggest a virtual care visit so that a patient doesn't have to travel in to see a doctor and that helps to, you know, again, save costs for both the patient as well as across the system? shifting perspective, thinking from Mm -hmm. provider perspective, how we add value. And I think it's really centers around helping providers do what's most important to to providers, right, which is improving the health of their patients. So some of the things there we focus on are um, and some some stats, you know, medication non-adherence is responsible for around 10% of all hospital admissions for older adults. We're not taking medications as prescribed results in unnecessary health spending. The amount of, you know, $200 billion each year that comes from HIP. Uh, and then there are things that are less measurable, you know, like a post-op care plan for, that a provider puts together and may need to deliver to a patient in a timely fashion. How do we maximize the chance that a patient will follow through on a care plan? and improve the likelihood of, of positive outcomes, right? And how do we make it easier to deliver that information in a seamless way for the end users or, you know, for the patients? Yeah, it, there's so many challenges that could be made easier. And, you know, you think of them as things that shouldn't be hard, like finding a doctor or right. taking exactly. your medicine, right? Exactly. So how do we, you know, again, a way that, I think from in in my role and you know a small slice of what we do as a large organization an entity like United, you know how do we remove friction points so that patients can can achieve what they set out to right and mm-hmm. most patients do would say they want to you know improve their health and live healthier lives and so on, but how do we remove friction points and and again just make it easier for individuals to complete those intended health goals? For sure. And so, Mika, how would you say, you know, through the work that you've done or innovations that you've implemented, you've improved outcomes or even made business models better? Yeah. So I think several of the solutions, specifically, you know, here, what I'm currently working on 
a lot of the solutions are newer and still in beta, so we're still testing and, and measuring this. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of metrics or improved outcomes, we look for, you know, how does this improve the NPS and, can, you know, patient experience? Do we reduce the number of people needed to intervene and provide support for for tasks that are pretty, you know, easily scalable through existing technology? Can measure, you know, are we guiding patients towards higher quality, lower cost care? And from a business perspective, are we able to accomplish things like reduced readmissions or improved medication adherence, for example, the results of the solutions that we are working on? For sure. And as you think about the backdrop of COVID and things that are faced, you know, we're faced with all, you know, as, as individuals, organizations, payers, providers, what, what would you say has been one of the biggest lessons during this time? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I think that also ties into, you know, speaking about the pandemic and COVID ties into some of the setbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's been really interesting is, you know, the pace of traditionally one of the biggest bottlenecks has been just the pace of change in healthcare systems. Um, when I was at Nefocity doing the cloud-based medical imaging, we developed solutions that were optimized, for example, for, for Chrome and for Firefox. And yet the providers we were partnering with were all still entrenched in Internet Explorer and getting, you know, we had to align stakeholders in order to even access Chrome and uh, enable, you know, our solution. And so I think that sort of has traditionally been a key bottleneck, but then in times like we're seeing today now with COVID, this really is sort of telehealth, remote patient monitoring. This is the moment, right? And things have accelerated so quickly and been able to align stakeholders at unprecedented speeds. So I think that's been an interesting thing to experience. And I think another kind of key lesson is just that people really do want to for example, lose weight or make it to their doctor's appointments or follow the medication plan that their doctors put them on. And they are well-intentioned, but they're not going to go out of their way to do it if it's not easy. And if it's not easy, it's not going to get done. And so I think that's really driven a lot of the decisions from a product perspective too. Like how do we make the solution so easy that patients actually use it? And then at the same time, satisfying, you know, there's always legal hurdles and given the tendency to litigate in our healthcare system that can really slow innovation and can really choke what may really benefit patients and ultimately our health system in the long run. So yeah, I think there's some good key learning. No, those are, those are great learnings. And I've reflected on, on this, this era and, you know, what we're faced with and that Darwin quote keeps coming up. It's, it's not the smartest it's not the strongest, but the most adaptable that survive. And the adaptability that we're faced with as a healthcare society, a healthcare group, stakeholders is is that we, we have to figure it out. You, you know, telemedicine and remote monitoring is a must. Right. Right. And and so have have you seen a bigger appetite from stakeholders to try new things and and then also the, the follow-up question to that would be, how sticky is it going to be? You think it's going to stick? Yeah, so definitely you know, a huge jump in engagement from providers and motivation to shift practices online and offer telehealth and remote you know, patient monitoring solutions. I think 
post-COVID and kind of this new normal that we're calling it, we'll see, you know, a bit of a drop, but you can't go from such a small base, you know, you have a 4,000% increase or so, for example, and and then go back to that small base, like three or 4% adoption. So it is, I think telehealth for sure is here to stay in terms of the remote patient monitoring. I think it's, again, the bottlenecks are legal hurdles as well as how quickly we can integrate some of these devices and solve challenges related to interoperability, for example, in order to, again, provide solutions that people actually want to use. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I'm particularly excited about looking forward is just this emergence of remote patient monitoring, you know, solutions and integration of smart home tech with healthcare and the medical practice. That is exciting. Um, what, like you're, you're talking voice, uh, smartwatches, the long list of, yeah, of wearables. Think, yeah, voice can be the gateway or kind of the Trojan horse where once you have that, the voice assistant in the home, you can now start integrating your other devices. You know, if it's a smart scale or, you know, even like, why do you need to go to the doctor to do a urinalysis? Maybe you can integrate that through a Toto toilet, for example, and maybe you can pick up on some biomarkers and have those results sent to your provider and enable the provider to monitor abnormal readings or deviations from baseline and make sense of it and and communicate with you if, if something's wrong, as opposed to making you wait until your, you know, your annual checkup to find out that something may be off. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, those are all really interesting and kind of exciting areas that we'll see more and more of as, you know, situations like the one we're in necessitate care at home and remote monitoring. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I really like about that, Mika, is you think about the folks that really are maybe working two or, or three jobs that really can't yep. afford to go see a doctor. Right, exactly. And yeah, it's interesting to see a lot of these remote devices or even voice assistants, the use of voice assistants in healthcare. I think there was a like a voice bot report that came out towards the end of last year that shows that lower household income, you know, or household or individuals do over index on use of voice assistants specifically for healthcare. And that may be because they're less likely, you know, maybe they don't trust the system, as I mentioned earlier, maybe they don't want to pay that copay. And it's easy to just ask your, you know, a voice assistant already integrated on the device in your pocket or sitting in your home. And so I think it was like specifically less than 50K household income versus, you know, over 200K. And there was like a 7% or so increase or or greater adoption among the lower income households. So interesting. Um, to your, your point, definitely. You know, how but, do we reach people who are traditionally kind of not served well or ignored by our system? That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, the promise is huge. And, and it's about bridging that gap between, you know, access and meeting people where they are. And I think it's so promising and, and exciting to hear that you guys are working on these things and encouraging the providers and also the members on your plan to to engage with these because we all want to be healthy at the end of the day. It's just getting the right way to get and stay healthy that's going to make the difference. So super exciting, Mika. I, I appreciate you you sharing these these things that you guys are up to. If you had to leave us with a closing thought, what what would that be? 
And then the uh, the last thing would be if 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 the listeners wanted to continue the conversation with you, where could they do that? Sure. Yeah. And just to, on your previous point, I think one thing too is that you know we have to as payers, especially work with provider groups and partner with providers, right, in order to help patients to achieve better outcomes and live healthier lives because patients ultimately trust their doctors, right? They're right at the top of the list in terms of who patients trust. And mm-hmm. um, I think tech is, is at the bottom and payers are somewhere in, in the middle. But yeah, I think that's extremely important. I would say, you know, just what we touched on, how do we make sure that the solutions we're developing, whether it's in, you know, telehealth or remote monitoring, and when we're leveraging, you know, new tech and exciting technology to scale access to care, just how do we make sure we're inclusive and reaching the people who need it most, whether that's incorporating, you know, multi-language support or providing data transparently to patients so that they feel included and not taken advantage of. And again, how do we make it so easy, so seamless that uh, with minimal thought or effort, consumers are continuously improving their you know, mental, physical, emotional health and reducing risk of developing you know, chronic conditions and diseases that, that are really plaguing our, our country. And ultimately, everything else is built upon the foundation mm-hmm. of, of whether an individual is healthy or not. So, so those are the things that, yeah, I, I, I think about um, and the group that I work with that we're really focused on. Um, and in terms of contact, I'm on Twitter. My handle's at Mika Stephanie and LinkedIn. You can find me uh, under Mika Eddie. Outstanding. Well, Mika, thank you. And and it's it's certainly exciting to hear about the work that you and your team are up to help us, you know, help us be healthier and meet us where we are for our health. Uh, certainly these times while they're providing challenge, it's great to know that companies like United Healthcare and and leaders like yourself are, are working to pave a, a bright future for, for all of us. So I can't thank you enough for, for spending time with us here today. Thanks so much, Saul. Great, great uh, podcast. And I'm glad you're highlighting these important initiatives. So thank you. My pleasure. 